to the Jesus Freedom Podcast. I am your host, Jamie Roundtree. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Jesus Freedom Podcast. I hope you're having a great day. Today, I would like to speak on reasons why people either leave the faith you know, backslide or, you know, even that they just cool off in the Lord. This is very common. People don't stop going to church necessarily. They may not necessarily even go out and go into blatant sin like drunkenness and sexual immorality and things like that. But they go to church, they kind of sit on the pew and they really they're cool they've cooled off from maybe their their first love. So what are some reasons why people do that. I would like to explore that today. Before we get into the actual reasons why people fall away, I want to look at a couple examples in the in the Gospels to see how Jesus deals with people who doubt or her stumble. The first one is going to be Thomas. This is a familiar story to many who would already be believers. Uh, Thomas is told by the disciples that Jesus has resurrected, and but he responds. He says, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Uh, a few days later, Jesus appears to the disciples again in a house, and Jesus you know, came and he stands in the room, the doors of the home are locked. So he just appears in there and he says, peace be with you. Then he says to Thomas, you know, put your finger here. See my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And And Thomas said, he responded, my Lord and my God. And he believed. And Jesus said in response, he said, because you've seen me, you believe. But blessed are those who have not seen me. And yet have they believed? So the next example I want to get is Peter. So, but before we move on to Peter, one thing I like about this is just to see how Jesus deals with Thomas. He doesn't shame him. He's not like, you know, you're an idiot because you don't believe. You know, he said he recognizes as Thomas's unbelief or his doubting, and he he meets him where he's at. The second one is is Peter. Peter. You know, when Jesus was arrested and he was taken and he was started his trial before the high priest and they were questioning him, uh, Peter denied the Lord three times, which Jesus predicted. And he, he went away and he wept bitterly, the scripture says. So in John chapter 21, you know, after Jesus has resurrected and Jesus said, I'm going to meet you in Galilee. You know, it says that Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel and a couple of sons of Zebedee and two other disciples were all kind of together. And Peter says this, I'm going fishing. And what that means is I'm going back to my, my job, to my fishing trade, going back to work, and, you know, which he had left to follow Jesus. This doesn't mean, however, that Peter necessarily didn't still believe that Jesus was the Messiah. What it means is Peter had, because of his failure and his loss of confidence, 
he had cooled off. So he was just really saying, you know, I'm not going to be a part of the, the apostolic team now that Jesus had originally called him to. And this happens to people. God has a, a call on their life of some kind and failure or disappointment or, or, or whatever it is happens. And they still believe in Jesus, but they cool off and they don't necessarily feel fulfill the calling they have that the Lord has given them. Yesterday, I received an email from Frank Viola because I'm on his email list, and he sent me these seven reasons why people fall away. I'm not going to read the article. If you would like it, you can just email me at jamieroundtree.com. I'm going to just highlight the seven reasons and just provide my own experience and commentary on these reasons. The first reason is the horrible, disgusting, nasty way that Christians treat one another in person and online. So in my own experience, back in 2007, I worked for a Christian ministry that I felt like they bullied me. I felt like my pay, the the way they dealt with me in regards to my pay was unethical. They told me they was going to pay me one thing, and they, they never did. I uh, felt like they kind of berated me. Um, also, I would say I felt like the cause was more important than character. You know, everything was about the cause and what we have to do and, know, and do whatever we have to take, including uh, treating one another. And, and one of the things I remember that was interesting about this is people, you know, because they had a lot of conferences, people always talked about, you know, the spiritual warfare, you know, the devil and the spiritual warfare. And certainly, you know, that's there's some truth to that, but the spiritual warfare mostly was because brothers and sisters in Christ treated, treated each other like crap or horribly. That was the most of the spiritual warfare. So I remember I just really struggled, and I became a kind of bitter. I did leave there after a year. Uh, you know, I've prayed, I prayed, I've forgiven them, I've moved on, I don't hold anything against them. What was a negative experience ended up being for my good, you know, which is what the scripture says. All things come to, you know, work to good for those who love him. This this experience caused some disillusionment for me. It caused confusion. It caused uh, some jadedness when it comes to to believers and but what it what it did ultimately was it drove me closer to Jesus it drove me to go into the word of god and to really and to really dig and i realized something and and i i want to say this that i want to empower you i want you to know something you have a choice on where you go to church you do not have to go to church and put up with legitimate abuse. Uh, that is not something we have to put up with. And Jesus actually confronted and he rebuked the abuse that the Jewish leaders uh, were, you know, were participating in. Like they, they, they abused widows specifically. And there were other things that Jesus called them hypocrites and basically said their father was the devil. He didn't have good things to say about them. Another thing I learned is I should seek out and 
follow healthy leaders in the church. With that said, uh, we need to understand that no one is perfect. So, you know, there is a, a difference in people just making mistakes and, and saying, I'm sorry. Uh, some people kind of get sensitive, a little too sensitive, and they get offended and they leave. But, you know, I think the point in this article is that there are situations where people are really treated horribly. Uh, I know a situation, this wasn't necessarily a church situation of someone who was really close to me. They had moved quite a distance away and took a jump to move in with the family and become a nanny. And while when they got there, and they changed their pay. They began to bully them. They began to verbally abuse them. They worked them every single day. They didn't have a, a day off. And this was a very hard e- experience. And, you know, it took her a little while to get out of this experience. This family is one she went to church with before they both moved. Later, they moved and then she moved in with them. Also, I have heard of other people tell of even more horrific stories than the ones I've mentioned here. Uh, This unfortunately happens sometimes. And if we're going to follow Jesus, uh, you know, we do have to forgive. You know, this, this sets us free from bitterness. Uh, but the the good news is we don't have to submit to these people who are abusive. We don't have to stay under this. We can move on. We can find humble, healthy leaders that'll help us grow in the character of Jesus. The second reason why people fall away is the canned, superficial answers they have been given to complicated questions. So in the U.S. especially, we are finding that when kids graduate high school and go to college, uh, they go to, to college and they have teachers and professors that, you know, either challenge them or teach things completely contradictory and also ridicule Christians. And they are not equipped and prepared for some of these harder complicated questions. And, you know, one example, and I do remember hearing this girl, I believe on a podcast or on YouTube video, she grew up in a, in a, in a Pentecostal environment. She was taught that the earth was, uh, you know, created in a literal six days. And, you know, she ended up going to college and she began to hear teachings on evolution. And so this really kind of caused her some some problems and she was not able to to reconcile this and this kind of led to her kind of starting to drift away uh, and then I guess to add fuel to the fire then she um, got a divorce and then she she fell into sexual immorality but based on what I remember listening to it it started with this and and this is actually kind of kind of common that people are having some problems dealing with this. Personally, though, I can't really say that this has been an issue for me. Uh, when I was growing up, I I just felt like when I was confronted with teachings of ev- evolution, uh, I just felt like there was a God, and I didn't. I wasn't educated on Genesis one and the six day. You know, was the Earth created literally in six days? And also, this is actually a debate within 
the the Christian house itself. Uh, there are some who believe it's literal, some who believe it's figure, figuratively, and some there's all kind of different views on that. So um, this is just you know my my opinion for what it is worth. So I, I tend to believe that it is a literal six days. However, I am not dogmatic at all, and here is why. Uh, number one, when I look at Genesis chapter one, and I look at who wrote it and why he wrote it, it was Moses, that's what is the tradition, and he wrote it to the children of Israel after they had been delivered from Egypt. So at that time, there was no such thing as an evolutionary theory. That was something that started kind of gaining ground, I believe, with Charles Darwin. So now at that time, when Moses wrote Genesis, there were other creation views. However, most of the creation views in the ancient world involved other gods, okay? And typically, it was a god fighting against another god, and this god create, you know, conquers this god. And so there was violence in these you know, other different creation views. And when you read Genesis, especially Genesis 1 through 6, this actually kind of makes sense to me, in my opinion, of, of why Moses wrote that. And his intentions was not to, to be scientific. You know, he wasn't trying to debate evolution. He was trying to encourage the people of of, the, of Israel. So I believe the it was meant more theological than it was scientific or literal. And as I mentioned before, as you go all the way to Genesis 6, you see this because, because people had this belief and these other gods and these creation views that one god fought against another god and one conquered another so that you had violence in this. What do we see in the first six chapters of Genesis? I mean, you, Genesis 4, you have Cain and Abel. Cain kills Abel, and by the time you get to chapter 5 and 6, it, the earth has become so violent, God's heart is broken, and he sends the flood. So my answer for this problem is this. Number one, as believers, we should be open to people's questions. Even if we can't answer those questions, we should be sympathetic towards their questions and the complications they have. Also, we need to kind of remember what the point is when it comes to following Jesus. And at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter whether you believe it's literal or it's figuratively. What matters is, do you love Jesus and do you obey his commands? We are always entitled to our opinions, but love is greater than our opinions. So just because someone maybe doesn't have the same view or is struggling with complications regarding this issue or other issues, then once again, our response should be love. Number three is they met a God who did not meet their expectations. You know, they could go through some type of tragedy or they were standing on a promise in the scripture, maybe like healing, and that healing never materialized. 
So I can say in some ways I, I had an, kind of an experience like this, uh, maybe not a tragedy, but when I was a teenager, you know, as I was in my early days of being on fire for the Lord, my parents divorced. And I remember I had a youth pastor who I think he was trying to encourage me, but it didn't come across that way. He basically said it was my fault. <laughs> my parents were getting divorced or the Lord was discippointing me. You know, looking back, that is absolutely ridiculous. You know, the reason my parents got a divorce is because they made mistakes and could not figure out how to reconcile it. And I don't I don't mean that as any shame or condemnation to them. It's not my fault is what I mean. They got a divorce. It was their choices that caused that divorce. I just suffered the consequences. And, you know, but the good thing is God met me in that. And I experienced his, his presence in a powerful way during that time in my life. But I did think that, you know, if I just followed Jesus and was a good Christian, certain good things would happen to me. And after a period of time, those good things didn't happen. Uh, you know, one of those things is I didn't get married until I was 38. And, uh, Two or three days before I actually met my wife, I prayed and I told the Lord, I just said, you know, if you never give me a wife, I will forgive you and I will still love you. Jesus cares about us and he does give us the desires of our heart, but he doesn't make necessarily all of our dreams are going to come true. And it doesn't mean we're not going to experience hardship and difficulties. I mean, look at the life of Jesus it's, itself. Who was more perfect than him? Nobody. He was perfect. He was innocent. But he was beaten, betrayed, mocked, and he died a criminal's death. But Jesus said something on the cross. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So even Jesus, the perfect son of God, who had perfect fellowship with the father on the cross, felt this abandonment. But we know the story. God did not leave him on the cross. The father did not leave him on the cross, nor did he leave him in the grave. No, he is risen, and we have that promise, and our life is like a moment. It's like a centimeter in this life, a very small, which is like maybe the length of your finger, but eternity is like trillions of years. So this life is small. We need an eternal perspective that whatever, if as long as we commit ourselves to obey Jesus, even in the small things, no matter what happens, that when we get to heaven, God is going to reward us. We know that for sure. Why? Because he's given us the Holy Spirit. It's the guaranteed inheritance for our future. I'm going to start wrapping up part one of this first episode on reasons people fall away from their faith or backslide or just grow cold in their relationship with God. Let's go back to Peter, who decided to go back fishing, back to his job, and lost his confidence, felt like a failure, and uh, even though he probably still loved Jesus, he wasn't going to be a part of the apostolic team. 
What was Jesus' response to him? Well, Jesus came there to him, and Jesus restored him to his calling and to his purpose. And what was the question that Jesus asked him three times? He asked him, do you love me? So that is what Jesus is looking for the most. He is looking for love more than our talents, more than our gifts. He is looking for our love. That is what qualifies us to serve him. And that is what refreshes us to serve him. His love is supernatural and he has poured his love into our hearts. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Jesus Freedom Podcast. I would love your interaction. You can email me at jamieroundtree at gmail.com. That's J-A-M-I-E-R-O-U-N-D-T-R-E-E. Any questions, any objections, any feedback, you have a testimony you would like to share with me, I can share this on the podcast. I can share it on the podcast. I would love to do that. I would love to hear from you. I look forward to hearing from you and hope you have a great day.